This year, Lent may feel different from years past, since we are approaching the one-year mark since the pandemic began to change our lives so dramatically. It has been a long, hard time, filled with much loss, fear, and grief. And I doubt that many of us dreamed that a year later, we would still be in such a time of uncertainty. So it may feel odd, if not redundant, to once again enter a Lenten season where we typically ask ourselves what we are going to give up or or let go of for the next several weeks. After all, this last year has felt like one long Lent. We've confronted our mortality nearly every day, given up so many of our comforts, acknowledged the limits of our control. It's been like Lent for 11 months. I mean, just, just take a look at the word quarantine. It comes from the Italian phrase quaranta giorni, which means 40 days, which is how long Lent lasts, how long Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in today's scripture passage. But maybe Lent, in some ways, comes to us at just the right time. For all the ways that we think of Lent as a time of purging and self-denial, at its heart, Lent is a season of promise. In its own way, Lent is a season of hope because it points us forward. Lent comes from an old English word, Lenten, which means spring, and an old Germanic word meaning lengthening days of sunshine. Farmers and gardeners know that this is a season of expectation because as the daylight grows longer, the landscape grows greener and we can begin to see the buds of new color poking through a long, hard winter. That is what Lent is. It is a time to bury some things so that we can eventually see new things bloom. And that's what our new worship series for the next six weeks is all about. It's called Cultivating and Letting Go. It's not just about exploring the parts of our lives that we need to bury, you know, the unhealthy habits and attitudes and vices, It is about letting God cultivate the holy character qualities that we need in order to see springtime in our souls, in order for the lengthening daylight of Jesus to shine more and more into our hearts and see the hope and possibility of Easter once again. I don't know about you, but I could sure use that right about now. So I think Lent comes at exactly the right time. So our Lenten journey begins today, hearing the same story that the lectionary calls us to hear every first week in Lent, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. This is a great story. This is a a storyteller's dream, really. It has all the ingredients of a compelling tale, a hero and a villain, conflict and suspense. And it's told in three parts, like, like many good stories are. But most of all, it speaks to us about the human condition. It offers universal truths about what we struggle with and how we can overcome it by God's grace. Now, I'd suggest to you that in all three of these temptations, there emerges one important principle for us to learn today, and it is this. To live the life that God intends for you, let go of selfishness, and cultivate self-giving love. 
Look at the first temptation. After 40 days of fasting and prayer, of continuous devotion to God, Jesus was tempted to, to take some ordinary stones and turn them to bread. Now, he could have done so. I mean, after all, he was able to turn water into wine, and none of us would have faulted him for feeding himself when he was hungry. But rather than use the full powers of the kingdom to satisfy his personal needs, Jesus chose not to. The second temptation was not one of hunger, but one of protection. The devil urged him to jump off the pinnacle of the temple, summoning the protection of angels that surely would have come to his aid, preventing injury to himself. Now, none of us would have blamed him for wanting some extra bodyguards around. But rather than use the full powers of the kingdom, to heal himself, to protect himself, to shield himself, Jesus chose not to. The third temptation was not one of hunger or protection, but one of possession. Look at all you can have. All this can be yours, the devil said, if you will just bow to me. Now, none of us would have blamed Jesus for claiming rightful ownership of all of creation because he created it all anyway. But rather than compromise the power of the kingdom and allow the tempter to win, Jesus chose not to. Now, I don't know what temptations you're facing today, but I'm sure we all face temptations in some way. But if there is one principle that emerges here for me as a sure remedy for temptation for all of us, it is this. Let go of selfishness and cultivate self-sacrifice. Be more self-giving. Jesus chose to save his powers to feed hungry crowds on a hilltop. Instead of turning stones to bread to feed himself, he would say in John's gospel, I am the bread of life for the world. He chose to save his powers of healing and protection, not to save his own hide, but to heal and protect those who were ill and dying. He chose to save his power to claim all creation until he could save the world and have others join him in glory. You see, in each case of temptation, Jesus had to make a choice whether he would use his talents, his energy, and his ability for himself, or whether he would think of God and others first. Jesus chose to let go of selfishness and cultivate self-sacrifice and he shows us how to do the same. But there's one more important message to offer here. Giving of yourself does not mean losing your sense of self. This is really important. In other words, there is a healthy way to be self-giving, and there is an unhealthy way. Jesus calls us to the healthy way of giving ourselves for others, and it's here in this opening of Luke's Gospel that we receive some important guidance on how to give of yourself without losing yourself. It means remembering who you are and not letting that go. We discover that before Jesus entered the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he knew who he was and he didn't forget it. He never let go of his identity and his worth. In the prior chapter, in, in Luke 3, we read the story of Jesus' baptism. 
which takes place right before his temptation. And in that baptism, as Jesus was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and he heard a voice from the heavens declaring to him and for all to hear, Jesus, you are my child, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. Before we can offer ourselves in service and generosity to others, we need to remember we are each chosen and loved children of God. Not long ago, I heard a podcast interview featuring one of my favorite artists and musicians named Andrew Peterson. Much of his music has been of significant inspiration to me and, and strengthened my faith during some of my more difficult moments in life. In the podcast, the interviewer asked Andrew Peterson what one word he thought best described himself. It's the kind of question you and I would well ask of ourselves. What is the one word that you would choose, that you would hope best describes you? Faithful, wise, strong, independent, fearless? Peterson responded without hesitation, Beloved. Not just loved, not just loved by family or loved by friends or loved by fans, but beloved, deeply loved, unconditionally loved by God, the one who truly matters. Jesus heard those words from God as he was being baptized, and they were still ringing in his ears as he headed toward the wilderness. And a significant reason that he was able to resist the temptation to serve himself is because he had already discovered himself as a beloved child of God. By the way, if you look at Luke's gospel, he does a fascinating thing, inserting a peculiar set of verses between the baptism and the temptation, something that Matthew, Mark, and John do not do. Right after the baptism and before the temptation, Luke inserts the genealogy of Jesus. I mean, Matthew doesn't do that. Matthew leads with it right away in chapter 1. Mark and John don't even have a genealogy. But Luke does. And he puts it right here. Why? Because Luke's genealogy is different. Matthew traces the ancestry of Jesus all the way back to Abraham, the father and patriarch of the Israelite people but not Luke. Luke goes back even further than Abraham. He goes all the way back to Adam and then goes one more step. In Luke chapter 3, verse 38, Jesus was, quote, the son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, and the son of God. Jesus knew who he was. So he was able to give of himself without losing himself. He could use his energies to love and serve other people, not in an effort to make himself feel good, not, not in a way to pat himself on the back for doing acts of charity, not in a way to discover his own self-worth, and certainly not for the admiration and appreciation of others. Jesus was self-giving because he was a child of God, not in order to become a child of God. When Jesus entered the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, he knew who he was. And Luke says he was, quote, full of the Holy Spirit. He did not need to feed himself with bread made from stone. 
because he was already full of the grace and love of God. He did not need to drop power and glory toward himself because he already knew that God had given him everything that he needed. He did not need to search for answers to unlock the mysteries of life because he had already filled himself with the knowledge of the scriptures and the truth of God's love for him. Friends, as you face these days of Lent and live into this season of uncertainty, take some time each day to remember who you are, who God has created and called you to be as a beloved child of God. And then watch out, world, because you can then offer yourself fully in service and love for other people. Let go of selfishness. Cultivate self-giving, self-sacrificial love so that you can give of yourself without losing yourself by the grace and mercy of God. Let's pray. God, you draw us once again into this season of reflection, repentance, and renewal. Strengthen us to face our temptations, reminding us first of who we are by your grace And give us the courage and wisdom to give of ourselves for others in love and service to you. In Jesus' name, let all God's people say, amen.